Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. On August 28, 1963, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., these famous words concluded a passionate call for freedom. And when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last, spoken by Dr. Martin Luther King. Freedom from the legal bondage of slavery had been in place for 100 years at the time of this speech. The slaves of 1863 experienced a sudden and dramatic release from chains, both literally and figuratively. A powerful freedom was now theirs, a freedom that opened up options, that allowed choices never before available to them. Their freedom was now legal, but it was also confusing. There was no script for what they were to do with their freedom. The chains were broken and the masters had no claim on them anymore, but now what? Where do they go? What do they do? With rare exceptions, they had been kept uneducated, unskilled, and life was limited to what they had been told. Beyond that, many of those who had been living in freedom didn't welcome them to a new and better life. Instead, they figured out ways to make life as difficult as possible for them. Yes, they were legally free, but most were not experiencing the normal freedoms of society in the United States of 1863. The chains of prejudice and hatred based on nothing more than the color of skin continued their social bondage for another hundred years to the time of Dr. Martin Luther King. While progress has been made since then, there is still vast room for improvement. Dr. King's dream resonated with people of all ethnic groups. The longing for freedom is innate to all of us. We all want to live with the least bondage possible and the most freedom possible. However, we know that bondage is not limited to oppressive physical, social, and governmental control. There is a freedom that is available to us that overcomes all form of bondage. In this episode, we are going to focus thoughts on spiritual freedom. I believe we have a spiritual component within that, when free, will allow us to live abundantly despite any other circumstances. However, there are spiritual forces at work that are in opposition to our freedom. In previous episodes, we have seen how our compromised human nature has left us fighting for our spiritual lives and how this is a losing battle. The imperfect cannot make itself perfect. We also pointed out that most religions of the world require followers to strive towards some spiritual place or position that might hopefully someday approximate freedom. One may get closer or farther away depending on one's dedication and performance. We can relate to and understand this approach to religion even if we don't necessarily agree with the form or process of the requirements. There is a good reason for that. We all experience the ups and downs of life daily. It's inescapable. Emotionally, financially, relationally, sports, health, circumstances. Some of us have dreams and goals that we can measure. Making progress? Stagnant? Declining? Don't you find yourself charting almost everything we experience so we can tell how we are doing? This may not always be done formally on a spreadsheet, but we have a way of mentally tracking things moment by moment down to how much gas is in the tank and how far it will take us. 
So why wouldn't religion work the same way? Measuring all kinds of aspects of whatever religion fits with our normal way of living. But Christianity is really quite different. Actually, radically different. In fact, pretty much unrelated to that concept and approach. As hard as it may be to understand, it is foundational to Christianity that we spiritually detach entirely from that thinking. It has absolutely no place in the spiritual realm of Jesus. While we may want to, in some ways, pattern our spiritual life after our physical life, what Christianity provides is totally, completely, exhaustively, out of this world, brand new. Nothing like it exists anywhere else. In the usual physical and spiritual patterns that we can relate to most easily, we are chained to a process full of rules and regulations. Things we are supposed to do or not do to become what we are supposed to be. Even those who profess no religion have their own rules and priorities with which they measure themselves for better or worse. In this arrangement, freedom of some sort, even spiritual freedom, may be a goal, but it sure doesn't seem to be part of the process of getting there. Or, even if it does somehow enter into the process in some respects, it is limited, inconsistent, and insecure. In Christianity, spiritual freedom is not a variation on a theme or just a bit different in the religion genre. It is, beyond imagination, new. Buckle up, because you may not have heard about spiritual freedom from this perspective before. If not, you may find it counterintuitive and downright disturbing. Personally, it was too slow a process for me to understand this. I think it would have made an incredible difference to my spiritual development if I had known, understood, and appreciated this earlier. So, if you, like me, are in or have come from any sense of religious rules background, this may take some serious processing to understand. If you have heard the previous episodes of this podcast, you hopefully have a framework to understand this episode. Here goes. Try this on and see how it fits. As a Christian, I have spiritual freedom to do whatever I choose. Anything. Anytime. Anywhere. Total freedom. Let that sink in a bit. Anything? Even the worst possible things I can think of? I have the freedom to do that? As a Christian, the answer is yes. You may be tempted to turn this podcast off thinking this is totally nuts. That doesn't make much sense on so many levels, does it? What about the law? Right and wrong? Justice? Causing pain? Suffering? Death? If this is really what Christian freedom is about, why would anyone who wasn't evil want it? Those are all good, reasonable thoughts and questions, and you may even have others as well. Of course, non-Christians may reject this understanding of spiritual freedom out of hand. How could this possibly make the world a better place? Unfortunately, so many Christians seem to as well. Mostly out of ignorance, I suppose. This wasn't part of my education growing up. We were so focused on right and wrong behaviors, to have been exposed to this kind of thinking would have been seen as downright threatening. However, here is the kicker. For these Christians, and not Christians for that matter, not knowing or rejecting this understanding of spiritual freedom requires them to continue practicing their own forms of spiritual and behavioral measurements based on their performance. You can't get away from it. It really is an all-or-nothing freedom choice. However, it's what they are used to and comfortable with. It's what they know. That was me for a very long time. Now, my heart aches for those boxed up in a human paradigm of spiritual freedom. Let's examine this more closely. 
In a biography of Jesus called John, there is a story of a highly educated, wealthy, elderly, well-connected rabbi of the Jewish people. His name was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus under the cover of darkness because those in his position were threatened by the message of Jesus. He obviously was willing to take at least a certain amount of risk to get some answers to thoughts about Jesus that were troubling him. Nicodemus wanted to better understand who Jesus was. He acknowledged Jesus must be sent from God because of the miracles, but Nicodemus didn't understand either the man or his message. Jesus told him that to see the kingdom of God, one must be born again. He is telling Nicodemus that he couldn't even see the kingdom of God right now. Something had to change for him to see. Here he was, a high-ranking holy man, one who was expected to perceive and communicate spiritual things that would make a positive difference in the lives of people. But even for him, the kingdom of God was off his radar. The phrase born again may carry a lot of baggage in our culture. It means different things to different people, even among Christians. Some Christians have corrupted the meaning to fit their own agenda, making a very good descriptive phrase less effective. Another way to say born again is born from above. This is referring to a spiritual birth. Responding to Jesus' comment, Nicodemus was thinking in physical, practical terms and questioned how that could be. Jesus told him, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit from above is spirit. The point Jesus was making is that there is a physical world and a spiritual world. In the physical world, we know what it is like even if we don't always understand it. Basically, we are born, grow up, live through good and bad stuff, and then we die. Jesus was saying that there is another part of life, the spiritual. The message of Jesus is spiritual and directed at our spirits. He goes on to tell Nicodemus these well-known words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Here is spiritual stuff. God, who brought us into existence and wants to share life with us, loves people very, very much. So much that he allowed Jesus, his perfect son, to die in place of a world full of imperfect people. The death of one perfect person was worth so much it could purchase a world full of imperfect people. And if any of those imperfect people chose to accept what Jesus did for them, he would do just that purchase them, body, soul, and spirit, giving them their spiritual freedom and eternal life. Here is an offer to experience an eternal spiritual life in the full freedom of a loving relationship that goes far beyond anything we could physically experience. This is not just a pattern adjustment to life or spiritual concepts. This is not something we find anywhere else. This is God bringing into existence a new spirit and a new heart for those who want it. God is offering us imperfect people grace so amazing it could come only from Him. We can have now an eternal lifetime living in freedom with God and His perfect Son. Here and now we are a slave to this physical life. We have no choice. There are many joys, but sorrows, good and bad. No one is immune from the broken and evil aspects of this life. And in the end, it results in death. Don't we long for, seriously desire something more, something better? The message of Jesus is that he has overcome the struggles and pains of this life. He has conquered death and invites us into an eternal spiritual experience with him that makes us truly free. He has given us an offer that is out of this world. It is a gift to us. 
It is totally free to us because he personally paid for it and wants very much for all people to have it. His grace takes us to his world where there is complete freedom. The only effort on our part is to RSVP the invitation, accept who he is and what he has done. In Jesus we are spiritually free, completely free, completely secure. Now we are in his world forever. There is nothing that we can do that will change that. The book of Romans tells us that for whatever wrong we do in this life, his grace is always enough. It has to be that way. If there were any restrictions or rules associated with God's grace, we would not really be spiritually free. That would require us to interpret, measure, scale, compare, so on. We would be right back in the world's pattern of living, a slave to way too much in life. By now you may be thinking that to some extent you can follow this explanation of Christian spiritual freedom, but your mind may be racing to all the people who shouldn't be allowed to qualify for it. Genghis Khan, Nero, or more recently, Lenin or Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, Idi Amin, Jeffrey Dahmer, Saddam Hussein and his sons, Osama bin Laden, and the list can go on and on, but how do we determine qualifications? Am I saying that if any of these people chose to believe Jesus and accept what he did for them spiritually, that his grace and freedom would be sufficient for what they did? The simple answer is yes. Jesus loved each of them, and his death was ample for them also. He doesn't want any to spiritually lose their lives. Right after the famous John 3.16 verse of God loving the world, verse 17 states that Jesus wasn't sent to us to condemn us. I know this is not what we hear about Jesus so often, but this is him talking. Jesus, in his love for us, came to rescue us from our personal spiritual bondage. His love and grace is sufficient to cover whatever evil his children commit. He will not disqualify or condemn those in his spiritual world. His love, grace, freedom prevail. That is fully and firmly amazing grace. When God's grace intersects with our lives and we choose him, like Nicodemus, we discover a whole new life. The grace Jesus provides and the resulting spiritual freedom is the context of a loving spiritual relationship with him. He has invited us into his family. We are daughters and sons of God with Jesus. He is our spiritual brother. In this family there is pure love. We experience it without the pressure of acceptable performance or somehow earning any of it. We can't, and he doesn't expect us to. When we are in a loving relationship with Jesus, spiritually he is in us and we are in him. He gives us a new heart and spirit. Our deepest core desires are now to know him better and to learn to become like him. In our spiritual freedom, we have nothing to prove, so we aren't burdened by him. We can relax in our freedom, knowing that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, to fear from him. No punishment, no condemnation. Think of the most loving relationship you have with another person. The greater the love, the less fear of anything and greater the freedom. You don't have to have a lot of rules, if any, really, when you have a mature love where each person wants what is best for the other and is willing to sacrifice to help it happen. Our love relationship with Jesus takes this to a whole new level in the spiritual realm. In the physical realm, does this mean we do things perfectly well, even with those we most love? No. Our old human habits and patterns have not been completely erased. 
the power of evil still influences us. In this realm, we will always stumble. It's just a matter of how and how badly. It's not if, it's when. And often there are consequences we suffer for those times we falter. However, the greater the love in a relationship, the greater the grace and continued freedom there is. We know each other's hearts are for the other, even when we mess up. The road we are now traveling is going in the right direction. It is a relationship in which we can relax and just enjoy. The idea of abusing this freedom can only happen from a human physical world perspective. It doesn't exist in God's economy. Our understanding of spiritual freedom in Jesus is augmented by knowing His forgiveness is complete, past, present, and future. There is nothing we have done, can do, or will do to change that. He gave that forgiveness in full to us already when we accepted His offer of relationship. How do you respond to that depth of love in relationship? Because we are now born from above with a new heart and spirit, the old nature has gone and the new has come. Now our deepest desire, our most fulfilling joy, is to blend into a love relationship with Jesus. Anything less than that just isn't sweetly satisfying to us anymore. In a Bible letter to a young pastor named Timothy, the writer, his mentor Paul, told him that even when we are faithless in this world, God is faithful. That, my friend, is freedom. Real, complete, total, fearless freedom. Our physical world will come to an end someday. The spiritual world will continue to infinity and beyond. It is a place where we can be at peace, enjoying the rest and love of living in God's presence. Dr. King closed his speech with a quote from the old Negro spiritual called Free at Last. The second verse references what I think is a grace intersect moment. It touches the heart, soul, and spirit. Here it is with the refrain of the song. On my knees when the light passed by, I thank God I'm free at last. Thought my soul would rise and fly, I thank God I'm free at last. Free at last, free at last, I thank God I'm free at last. Free at last, free at last, I thank God I'm free at last. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process together, please know your thoughts and or questions are always welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.